You know, if you were here this past Sunday during second service, the power went out. And, you know, even though power went out, ministry still went on. We had an actually amazing time of worship. Um, the well in the kitchen was still serving. And I thought, you know, when, our, when the power source was cut off from the things that we normally would use it for, we have a power source within us. You know, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit. And we have God's presence with us. He's our Heavenly Father. And He loves us so much. You know, and when we, we give our tithes and our offerings, you know, we give it because of our relationship to God, our love for God. He's our Heavenly Father. He's our provider. And He's always connected with us. He's always present with us. So if you're visiting us for the first time, we want to welcome you tonight and just receive tonight. Please don't feel obligated to give. If you're visiting from another church, please continue to tithe at your home church. And if this is your home church, we're going to prepare our hearts in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this evening that we can gather together, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who's given his life for us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're always connected to you, that you are always present in our life. You are our provider, Lord. So in this time, we give our offering to you. We give you thanks and praise. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much. Go ahead, ushers. Boy, yeah, it's been a weird day today. It's kind of the weather kind of off a little bit. Hilo is a little bit different, but that's okay because we've seen weird things happen in Hilo. And we've seen not just weird things, but weird people. Sometimes when I'm driving, I'm thinking... They're probably thinking the same thing about me. Like, who is, oh, that's the pastor. Um, but tonight we're continuing in our series and we're talking about the thoughts that shape us. You and I are shaped by not necessarily what happens around us, but how we think, how we respond to life, uh, the way we are in our, our, our thought process. Uh, whenever we encounter something difficult, we have a choice. We can either live life from our own perspective or we can live life with God's perspective. And, and those are different areas that we look at. But tonight, I really wanted us to focus in as we look at this scripture, Philippians 4.8. And if you want to take out the app, there's a, the notes in there, and that'll help you to follow along. But when we look at Philippians 4.8, and we've been doing that over the past couple of weeks, it's been helping us to really think through how we're supposed to think. The Bible even gives us a way to think, not just how to live and the commandments and, and you know, the, the ways of God, but it, the Bible tells us how we should think. I mean, that's how, that's how precise God is. He says, not only am I going to give you this manual for life and how you are to live, but I'm going to let you know how you should be thinking. Because isn't it true that we can live our life however, however we want to, but our thoughts are inconsistent with the ways of God. That we can, on the outside, live life and, and go with the flow with everything, but on the inside, we're thinking differently. We can be nice to someone, we can speak kindly to them, but on the inside, we're like, I hate your guts, I don't like you, I'm just being nice to you because everybody else is. But that's our thinking. Our thinking is different than our actions. But what really shapes us is the way we think. And the more we leave our thoughts to ourselves and however we want it to be, rather than how God wants it to be, slowly but surely, it'll shape our life. And without even knowing it, we're going to live out our thoughts. 
The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, this has been our scripture throughout the weeks. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Like the Bible is saying, let these things live in your mind. You want this to just, just live in your mind. I was uh, talking to a friend who said on Oahu, they had a, he had a bunch of friends who was living in a home and the house burnt down uh, because of a, uh, an electrical thing that happened. I think they left something on and it burned down almost half of the house. And he said 40 people lived in that home. Now, it wasn't a, like a regular house, you know, with three bedroom. It was a home built for, for that many people. And there were all kinds of different people in there because they were college students. And all different walks of life, different perspectives, different ways of thinking. And I thought, that's kind of like what God is saying here. That you're going to have different kinds of thoughts, character qualities, living in your mind. But if there's a short circuit, it's going to burn down most of these things that I'm asking you to dwell on. Because there's no room for it. So in order for us to not short-circuit the way we think, we want to think consistently with the ways of God. We want to think like how He thinks. Now, no one knows the mind of God, but He gives us a way to dwell on these things. Like He says, whenever you're thinking, make sure these components are in your mind, in your thinking, in your thought life. Because there are going to be so many opinions. There are going to be different views, especially in our world today. So many different views. Many claim that what they're speaking is of truth. So how do we know what is true? But if we think about what is of good repute, then we will need to be the kind of person that sets the example, who is able to listen more to what the Lord is saying than what the world is saying. But the question is, whose report will I believe? Am I going to believe the report of the Lord? Or am I going to believe the report of the world? Whose report will I believe? And whatever I believe, will it consume me? The other week, Pastor Ben spoke about whatever is pure. And he talked about that pure water that when we start living life, impurities start to come in. And when the impurities come in, it's kind of dark in the water. He said, when that happens, to make yourself pure again, you're going to have to bring in the Spirit of the Lord and consistently... Because when He pours into our life, over time, we become pure in our thoughts and the way we act, our motives. It becomes pure because God's goodness, His Spirit, His holiness is purifying us. Last week, Bunny spoke about whatever is lovely. And she talked about the things that God detests, things that God does not like. In fact, the Bible uses a strong word. These are the things that He hates. And the Bible lists those things that God does not like in order for us to understand what is lovely. And if we think about Jesus Christ, just to know the Son of God begins our thought process of what is lovely. We cannot see what is lovely unless we have Jesus Christ. Which brings us to where we are today, to think about what is of good repute. Lovely and good, good repute kind of go hand in hand. They kind of have that same connection. Because what we do will describe what is lovely. And then what we say and do is of good repute. In fact, that word good repute or repute is synonymous with reputation or report or your name or your character. 
It has, it has that same meaning to it. It means a state of being favorably known, spoken of, or esteemed. Like you have such high respect for someone because they have good character. They have a good reputation. Reputation means a recognition by other people of some characteristic or ability. In other words, when it comes to good repute, you don't say you have good repute. Other people say you have good repute. That's, that's kind of like the making of what repute is all about. For us to say, oh, no, I'm a person who is of good repute. I have good character. I'm a person of good character qualities. I have godliness. It's this kind of like a sign of, well, let other people say that. I was watching this interview on this one basketball player that I know my friends so enjoy. His name is LeBron James. <laughs> and so, you see the, I hear the murmuring. Put that aside. Because he said this in an interview. He said, this is what I've accomplished. Therefore, I am the greatest of all time. This is an NBA player. He said he's the greatest of all time. So the controversy was, is it him? Is it Kobe Bryant? Is it Michael Jordan? So there's always that controversy. Now, I have my favorite, and I'm sure you have your favorite. Mine is Michael Jordan, hands down. But let someone else say you're the greatest of all time. Because that's the controversy. And, and, and good on LeBron James that he's confident enough to say, I am the greatest of all time. That's fine. But I, I think if you want to really know how good you are at something, let someone else say it. Because if we start saying that, now we're stepping into the place of pride or humility. And I'm not saying anything against LeBron James in case he watches this, which if he does, great. What I am saying is, when it comes to good repute, it can only be good repute when it comes from the outside. That's why when the Bible says, think about what is of good repute, it cannot come from us. It cannot be something that we conjure up and say, okay, this is what I think is of good repute. Here's my opinion. Because it com if it comes from us, then it, there's going to be our flesh attached, our emotions are going to be attached, how we feel at the moment, our mood changes. It's, it's how we are brought up. But the Bible is strictly and, and consistently letting us know that when it comes to dwelling on these things, it's not something that comes on the inside. That's why Paul started off with, finally, brethren. And then he goes through this list. He's saying out of everything we've been talking about, it's going to come down to what you're thinking about and how you're thinking. Right now in the world of politics, Hollywood, sports, everything comes down to reputation. It's how, how someone is living, what they did today, but not, it's not only what they're doing today, but it's also what they may have done 30 years ago. In other words, there's no chance for someone's reputation to get better if they did something in their past whether or not they still hold firm to the same character qualities. They may have done something horrible in the past, but have changed their ways and have done a complete opposite change of direction, have become a great person, a great person to, to uh, uh, take care of people and care for our nation. But then they'll rewind the tape and say, but you did this here. How quickly our reputation goes downhill. But that's how the world does it. It's not just out there in politics or Hollywood. It's actually even here in our very own families, in our schools, our, our, with our friends, our coworkers, even in churches. So the question is then, how, how can we think about what is of good repute 
when there are so many things to think about that is not good. Because our, our mind can go through a whole list of things that are not good. But if we're, if we're to come to a place of thinking about what is of good repute, then it really comes in, in three categories, or four categories even. It's the report about yourself, the report about others, the report about what others say about you, and then, of course, the report of what the devil says about you. But I would even add a fifth one, because the main one is what God says about you. That report is the main report. So to think about what is of good repute, we're going to have to practice these three actions. Here's the first one, if you want to write this in. Listen to God. Very simple. Listen to God. Now, usually after we say listen to God, the next question is, how do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's God speaking? Well, the Bible says that God speaks in a still, small voice. He gave us His Word, which means that whenever God speaks, if you can, if you can sense the, the voice of the Lord, it must match up with His Word because that is His Word. So always go to the Bible. Listen to God, not your emotions. That's going to be the worst one to listen to, our emotions, not what other people say. That's another one. Don't listen to what other people say unless they're giving you, of course, great godly advice. Don't listen to your circumstances. Now, pay attention to your circumstances, but don't use your circumstances to determine your decisions or how you're going to respond or even what the world is saying, which is contrary to God. But listening to God takes a... It, it, it's like we have to fine-tune our thinking when it comes to thinking about what is of good repute because we're going to have to listen to God more than anything else. That's why we always, talk, we always talk about doing devotions. And doing devotions is more about hearing God than it is checking off a day. It's about listening to the Spirit of God and even journaling. I want to hear God more than I'm thinking about just reading the Bible and journaling. I want to hear His voice because when we listen to Him, the question is, are we receiving directly from God and if we're listening for him are we receiving directly from God or are we kind of filtering it with our emotions and with the way we think because if it's God speaking it must line up with his word and when he does speak and we listen to him then we're receiving firsthand unadulterated truth hasn't been tainted Romans 3 4 tells us even if everyone else is a liar God is true God will always be true. No matter what the circumstances or situation, even if it seems like there is no truth in anything, God is still true. No matter what surrounds us, God is still true. Matthew 6.33 tells us crystal clear, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now read before verse 33, and all that Jesus was talking about. And you're going to see what He's saying that is going to be added unto you. But what he's saying is, it's not about what is added unto you, all the blessings or the other things that you want in life. It's really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the reason why he used those two phrases, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, is because there's the kingdom of the world and then there's unrighteousness. And those two factors come into play when we are thinking about such things. So when the Bible says, think about what is of good repute, we're going to have to listen to God. And when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying, you're always going to battle with the kingdom of the world and unrighteousness. That's why you seek first 
the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of man. His righteousness rather than man's pride. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my, to my saying." To my sayings, do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Yeah, you incline your ear. You know when we're young and we don't listen, what does mom or dad do to our ears? Yeah, walk them, they pull them. That's why some of your ears kind of long on one side. Why do they pull the ear? Why do they pull our ear? Yeah, they're telling us to listen. They're like, they're not just yanking it down or left to right. They're like pulling it towards us, like listen. That's why, that's why some of you are tall, because your parents are pulling you up. But that was, the, that was the whole idea. It was saying, listen to what I'm saying. So incline your ear. In other words, God is saying, before I pull your ear, incline it. You decide. You choose. Incline your ear to me. And when we incline our ear to him, he says, I will speak to you. I will, I will, I will talk to you. Because when you incline your ear to me, it's going to bring health to your body. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring health to your life. Incline means to stretch out. That's the word that is being used, to rise or to stretch out. You're, it's like you're, 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 you're stretching out to hear God, which means it takes a little effort. You're not just saying, God, speak to me, speak to me. Okay, God, if one red car pass, we can get married. See a black car, ooh, maybe not. So <laughs> what we want to do is listen for the voice of God and stretch out, incline our ears so that we're participating in this relationship with God. Not just sitting on our, 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 our uh, sitting on our, <laughs> sitting down and saying, God, you speak to me. Almost like saying, in my timing, God, I want to hear your voice. He's saying, this is a relationship. I'm always speaking to you, but you've got to incline your ear to me. You know, the opposite of incline is disinclined. And it's the word unwilling. That is a scary place to be in. It's a, it's a lonely place. It's a dark place to be in when we're unwilling to hear God's voice. It also, it's also a word that means to recline, or the opposite of incline is to recline. You know, that's what they call those little, those, those little couches. Those, what do you think? The, the lazy boy? Well, they even named it lazy. So it's, a, it's one of those things you pull the handle and then you recline. That means to lay back. You're relaxing. Like you're just... You're just you're not participating in anything. You're just laying down. And what God is saying is, no, don't recline. Incline your ear. You come to me. Listen to me. Kind of lean in, he's saying. Lean in in order to hear my voice so that you can hear what I'm saying. You're going to have to lean in. And that's a part of listening to God in order for us to know what is of good repute rather than what we feel. The second thing is to ponder with God. Not only do we listen to Him, but we got to ponder on some things. Because isn't it true that our emotions, just once we get the emotions and, and our, 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 our feelings or, or even the way we're thinking, it, 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 it almost controls us. Have you ever been so angry that you feel hot? And I, I've heard it said before, like, oh, man, you make my blood boil. Think about that. That's like, that's like spooky movie type stuff, your blood boiling. That's... But that's what we say. You make my blood boil. Like you're getting, you're getting frustrated and you feel, you feel hot, you're angry. But what that means is you're, you're so angry that you can't even think straight. And in order for us to, to think about what is of good repute, we cannot be people who are angry or have uncontrolled anger 
Because even if God should speak, we still wouldn't listen. You ever talk to an angry person? They don't listen. <laughs> Hard head. I mean, you can be telling them the truth. You're on fire. Yeah, I know I'm on fire, but who paid the bills? Nobody paid this bill. No, yeah, but your leg is on fire. I know it's on fire. Too bad. My leg burn, burn. Like, because you're, you're so angry, you don't even, there's no rational thinking. So when we ponder with God, what we're doing is we're taking in everything into consideration and we're saying, God, I'm going to ponder this with you. Like I'm really going to think deeply on the things of God. So we're pondering with God. We're not pondering with anybody else. We're, we're sifting it through with God. We're, we're, we're kind of like dissecting it with God. We're, we're examining it with God. It's not just with ourselves. And definitely, definitely, I'm going to speak to all of us on social media. Definitely don't ponder on it with Facebook. That is the worst place to ponder on things. Like, okay, guys, this would happen in my day. This would happen. What do you guys think? Bring 50,000 comments. And you read through each one. Oh, delete this one. Delete this one. Delete. Oh, what you said? And then you go on down. It's like, do not ponder on the things that you're going through with Facebook. Unless you're, you know, family members and you're saying, hey, mom, dad, or, or people who really love you. Hey, this is what I'm going through. Pray for me. Like, if it's people that are steering you towards God, that's one thing. But just to blast it out in the world, nah, we're better than that as believers. We set the example for the world to follow, not the other way around. Ponder it with God. He's the best, he's the best person to ponder things with. Otherwise, gossip spreads out. Things happen. Things are said that are unclear. Ponder means to think about carefully before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. That's what pondering means. You're, 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 it's almost like you're, you're just sitting, thinking carefully before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. Now, we all should ponder with God because our emotions react quicker than rational thinking. It just reacts quicker than rational thinking. I read this thing about our brain that our brain is the most hungry organ in your body. It requires more oxygen and nutrients than any other, and the complex neural networks that make it up largely explain everything you do every day. And our brain is covered in neural networks that get stronger or weaker depending on how often they're used. Have you ever dealt with a situation and thought it was done, but then 30 years later, it's still there. 15 days later, it's there. Two years later, it's still there. Why? Because the neural networking that has taken place, you're constantly thinking about it, so it, got, it became strong. And now it's hard to shake it. That's why when people say, you got to forgive and forget, you're like, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. It's because it's stuck there. It's stuck in our mind. So to think about what is of good repute, it's hard to do that because our brain has functioned in a certain way for such a long time. And the ones that get used repeatedly become very strong neural highways. And it's just information constantly going back and forth with ease. And it defines our default thoughts, our emotional profile, our personality. But the, here's the good news, though. Our neural pathways can be changed. And science knows it as neuroplasticity. Plasticity. Neuroplasticity means there is a way to change your mind. In fact, Romans talks about this. It says you're transformed by the way, by the renewing of your mind. 
In other words, you're transformed by the way you think. What happens is your, your neurons that you're not using, if you're not using it after a while, they begin to die. And the new neurons that you're using, they begin to strengthen itself. So as you're thinking about what is of good repute, rather than what happened in the past or this person or, or what they said, you're now developing a new neural highway, superhighway, a new way of thinking, therefore transforming our life. That's why the Bible tells us to think about what is of good repute because it's going to shape us again. And when it comes to the spectrum of human emotion, there, there are eight human emotions, sadness, shame, disgust, anger, fear, surprise. You know when your kids scare you and you're surprised, you get scared? What do you want to do after that? Hey, like lick them. Like you, there's something that happens in you. Or you laugh and they're filming you and they put it on, you know, social media and everybody else laughs too. But then there's also excitement or joy. And then there's love. There's trust. Now, it, it almost seems like, wow, that's, that's kind of um, biased. There are, you know, sadness, shame, disgust, anger, fear. Those are five things against these three that are like negative. But when it comes to love and excitement or, or being surprised, it's just a little different than the negative ones. Because emotions are chemicals that are released in response to what is happening. There's, something happens, it triggers us, and then there are emotions that are released. And it takes our brain about one-fourth second to identify the trigger. And then an, an, about another one-fourth second to, to trigger the chemicals. So we get the thought, then, it, then the chemicals go in, and then we feel something. So emotions and feelings are different. But then... If we don't start thinking about what is of good repute, that's going to control us, our emotions. Now, you might be thinking, how, okay, how do I stop that? <laughs> how do I stop it from getting to the place of my emotions getting the best of me? Well, that's why Philippians 4.8 is so incredibly important. It's saying these things have to dwell in your mind. It has to live there so that when you see something coming up and it's coming to the door of your mind... And it starts knocking on the door of your mind. You don't let it in. You just don't let it in. You're going to see it coming. You're going to hear your wife say something. And then you have a response. And you're thinking, no, 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 no. I responded like that before. I'm not going to answer that door. So I'm going to respond with this. Absolutely, honey. Absolutely. We can go to Burger King right after church. Absolutely. No problem. Absolutely. Hey, did you do this? could have been me it could have been me that might have been me <laughs> these are real things this happened the other day it's like you just to just to think will determine everything else that's going to follow after that it's amazing how quickly god gave us our minds to think but we got to train it that's why we have to ponder with god unless we ponder with god how will we train our mind in how to think? Did you know that Jesus was such a good thinker? He thought things through. And he did it so well that he always came with grace and truth. And always with grace first. See, when you ponder with God, God will never come to you with only truth. He will always come to you with grace and then truth. And even though we're struggling with something, God won't look at you and say, oh, yeah, you're done, you're a bad person. He says, no, 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 here's my grace. Now here's truth. And when you ponder it with God, you, you gain more than when you first came to God. You know when the shepherds were in the fields, and this is in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds were in the field, 
and the angel of the Lord showed up and told the shepherds that salvation has come to you today in the city of Bethlehem a savior has been born to you I bring you good news of great joy that, uh, good news that will cause great joy to all people and then the angel of the Lord says, you're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now the shepherds are like, whoa, this is so cool. Let's go check this out. So they immediately went to Bethlehem. And they found Joseph and Mary. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 19, when the shepherds saw Jesus, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart she pondered them because uh, if you can imagine and, and women with with children you can probably get this more than anybody else that if someone were to say something about your child good or bad it affects the way you think now what they were saying about jesus mary's soon to be born son was that he was going to be the savior of the world. That he's going to bring redemption. He's the promised one. Now, you got to ponder on this because if you start saying that he's the promised one, he's the Messiah, that puts you in jeopardy of blasphemy against the things of God. Which is why they put Jesus on the cross. Because he claimed to be the Messiah. So Mary had to really think this through, but she was a godly woman, and what she didn't do was broadcast it to everyone. Hey, 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 my son is the Savior. My son is the Savior. So everybody, come, come look at my son. Come check out my son. You can take a picture of my son. It's going to cost 50 bucks. Everybody, you can shake his hand. Like, she really, really thought this through. And I'm sure she battled with this. I'm sure she battled with, wait a minute, what if he isn't the Son of God? And he's growing up in this way, and we have all of these hopes. What if our hopes are too high and then he's a disappointment? She had to ponder these things, but she didn't ponder them with everyone else. She pondered them in the correct way. And she had to fight through her emotions. You know that word ponder means to bring together. It means to bring together in one's mind, confer with oneself. It also means to fight with one. And she had to fight through all of this. She, she's bringing together in her mind what God is saying and what she's going through. And now she has to fight through all of this. But when we're able to ponder with God, we're able to think about what is of good repute rather than our emotions pulling us towards negative thinking or our own opinion or what we feel or what our emotions are saying. Mary had to fight through emotions and feelings at the same time. See, emotions is a chemical thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to control our, our sadness. Gonna, it's going to do something about our anger. But when you feel something like cold, we were cold today. Some of you are still cold. That's a feeling. A feeling is almost like an outside thing that is happening that makes you feel something. Or when our emotions get the best of us and we're, our, our, we have an, like anger is our emotion, now we feel like taking revenge. We feel like taking it out on someone else. We feel like just doing something that we're going to regret later. Those are two different things that we have to address in a specific way. And whenever we go to God and ponder with God, now we're able to think things through clearly, which leads us to thinking about what is of good repute rather than what is of bad repute because we can always think about what is bad 
And when we think about what is good, then we think about what is best and what is good in other people. Otherwise, we're going to look for what is worse or what, is, what, are, what are the bad things about other people and their faults. We're going to build up ammunition to use against them. When Jesus was, remember the adulterous woman was brought to Jesus with the, 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 the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, because they knew about the law. So they said, hey, Jesus, this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, the law says to put her to death by stoning her. What do you say? Remember the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and he drew in the sand. And because he was doing that, they were like, okay, so, so what do we do? I'm sure Jesus was pondering. I'm sure, I'm sure there, was, there were emotions. I'm sure there were some emotions of, and you guys have not sinned? I know every single one of your sins. In fact, here, I'm, I'm going to write them down. And while Jesus is pondering, he could have done that, but he stopped and with grace and then truth, he stood up. And he said, well, whoever has no sin, go ahead. You can cast the first stone. Like he even gave them permission to do what the law said to do. But he did it with such grace that the Bible says every single one of them dropped their stones from the eldest to the youngest. They all dropped their stones. You see, while Jesus was giving love and showing love, these men were finding ammunition. While Jesus was healing people, these men were dragging this woman to the feet of Jesus. While Jesus was doing great ministry, these men were looking to make someone's life miserable. And when they brought them to Jesus, Jesus said, here, here, here it is. You all have sinned. Every single one of you. But then he doesn't leave it there. He tells the woman, where are your condemners? Where are they? Where are the people who condemned you? And she says, there are none. He goes, then neither do I condemn you. Grace. And then he says, but go and sin no more. There's power in that. Because if we don't ponder it with God, we'll either be so gracious or so just plain truth. And we'll tell it as it is, but we don't have no grace with it. See, when we think about what is of good repute, we're not just looking at a report and saying, okay, here are the facts. No, we're saying, God, what do you say? Where is all of this? I have my emotions. I have my feelings. Can you help me to think these things through? And he'll help us. But we just have to ponder it with God rather than looking for ammunition to point at other people, stones to throw. And it's okay for us to sit and think before the Lord. Just, just think about what is of good repute more than becoming defensive or taking an offense lest we end up destroying ourselves. Just ponder it with God. Ponder it with Him. And then the last thing, to walk with God. Walking with God, is a, it's a lifelong journey. Walking with God is not, it's not a religious. It's a, it's a relationship that you're walking together. You know when you first start dating, walks are like the greatest things. You walk, you talk, you get to know each other. And then now, to go for a walk, that's just to lose weight. It's like, hey, let's go walking. I don't like walk today. <laughs> and so it changes over time, but still go on walks. And if you walk with your spouse, that's great. If you live near a highway, I know it's hard to walk outside. 
But when you're walking side by side with someone, there's relationship that's being built. You're talking with each other. There's no agenda. It's just relationship, pure relationship. And that's how it is with God. If you're walking with God, it's just pure relationship. And as we walk with God, our thoughts will default back to what is familiar and natural. And as it becomes familiar and natural, then God can say, okay, here's some things we've got to sift through. Because while we're walking with him, he's going to remind us and nudge us if we're veering off the path that leads to life. That's why I, I'm so looking forward to this coming Friday and Saturday, our pause conference. Our pause conference is our marriage conference. And what that does is it helps us to strengthen our marriages. Even though my marriage might be like top 10, and I'm feeling, no, my marriage is, I'm doing great, even better. I would never want to wait for my marriage to start plummeting in order for me to say, okay, I got to fix the engine. The engine is, is died out. My engine is gone. We have no more jet fuel. We are plummeting. We were at 30,000 feet. Now we're at 10,000 feet. No, no, no. I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to refill when I'm doing well. I'm going to make sure everything is working correctly. The maintenance has been done on my airplane and everything is good to go. I'm not going to wait for us to start crashing and burning. So it is in our marriage. Let's, let's not wait for that. Let's keep the marriage where it needs to be that's why i'm looking forward to this weekend if you did not sign up you should and it's not because your marriage is going bad it's because your marriage is going well and if your marriage is going bad sign up twice <laughs> just in case <laughs> if it's going downhill do something about it let's not wait for it to go bad and as we walk with god he says i'm going to be with you luke chapter 24 tells us about these two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus. This is after Jesus died on the cross. And now everyone is sad and everyone is wondering, like, what is happening? And then he rises from the grave. Two of them, in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was when they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? In other words, their emotions were there. So they began feeling something. And in verse 31... Then their eyes were opened, and this is after Jesus sat with them and broke bread. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And Jesus vanished from their sight, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying the lord is risen indeed and has appeared to simon you know that word burn when he says our hearts did not our hearts burn within us that word burn means to set on fire or to consume with fire in other words they were saying there's something that consumed us something that was inside of us something that like it wasn't our emotions it wasn't a feeling there's just something that was on the inside that consumed us and the only way they could explain it was just consuming fire and there's only one person that I've heard of that is a consuming fire. And the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. In other words, God so filled them up 
that they, they, their hearts were burning. Why? Because they were walking with God. And when Jesus addressed what they were going through, he opened up the scriptures to them. Why? Because they needed to hear God's voice. They needed to once again go back to who God said they were, that this is who you are. It's, it's not what just happened, that now everything's going to be thrown away, that what Jesus was saying is now null and, and no longer valid. What Jesus said and what came to pass is what he always said. But not only did he say he was going to die for you, he said he was going to rise again from the grave. Therefore, they said, he has risen indeed. They recognized him. And because they recognized him, something changed in them. So much so that they were willing to die for the cause of Christ. God reignited their hearts, and that very hour they rose up, found the others, and declared what was of good repute. And they said, the Lord, the Lord is risen indeed. That very hour. Did you know that when God speaks, the quicker you obey him, the more powerful it is. The quicker we obey the more powerful it is. We used to make tree houses while we were growing up, but we just had, we had one main one. And there was this rope that we hung in, in, on the top of the tree. And it was, you know, you had to climb up the tree to get to the rope in order to swing on the rope. So we were, you know, 10 years old and we were seeing this rope. And before we could get to the rope, we would have to jump to it. Or before we could swing on it, we would have to jump to it. And what would happen is after you jump to it, You'd swing to the other side and then you would swing it back to the other person who didn't feel they could jump that far. But what I noticed is when, that when they swung that rope, the longer you waited, the further it got. If you were to leap on that first swing, you had a better chance of catching it. Now listen very carefully. When God speaks, jump on the first swing. Whatever is of good repute, dwell on these things. When he speaks something, jump at the opportunity. When these were walking with Jesus, these two, and they understood what Jesus was saying, it changed them from the inside out. That's what thinking about what is of good repute does. But it's more than just thinking. It's, it's having the Savior, that consuming fire on the inside. Because you, you cannot think about what is of good repute while emotionally responding to what is of bad repute. You, you cannot celebrate the resurrection of Jesus while stuck to his death on the cross. You, you cannot celebrate the good things of God while hanging on to the emotions of our past. You cannot move forward in his promises while hanging on to our emotions. It just cannot happen. And the death on the cross, just think about it, that is so emotional. It's, it's filled with emotions. But it's the resurrection of Jesus that is of good repute. The only way to think about what is of good repute is to think about Jesus, not us. Not what we go through, not what we think not what we feel, not what our emotions are saying. It's not what other people are saying, what the world is saying. Because Jesus is of good repute. It's his reputation that is of good repute. 
not ours. And I pray that tonight, in order for us to dwell on what is of good repute, we're going to have to dwell on the things of God. Go back to Jesus. Don't just stay on the death side of things. Go back to the resurrection. Whatever is dead in your life, bring that to God and say, God, this is dead in my life. My dreams, my hopes, my passions, desires, my marriage, my relationships, finances, all of these things are dead in my life, Lord God. My relationship with you seems like it's dwindling. Lord, that's what the cross is all about. You, you put all of that on the, on the cross, the darkest moment in the history of mankind, but out of the darkest moment, you gave us the greatest thing that could ever happen, and that was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if there's anything dead in your life, then you're a candidate for something to resurrect in your life because nothing resurrects unless it's dead first. Whatever is of good repute, dwell on these things. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, tonight, it, it comes down to not just our thinking, but what we're going to believe and what we're going to hold on to because you said to, to listen to you you're always speaking to us. And even tonight, I'm sure, Lord, you're speaking to us and, and great things. If there are certain actions that we need to take, then we want to, at first swing, jump, take the initiative. It could be forgiveness. It could be changing something in our habits. It could be getting into your word. It could, it's something, Lord, you're speaking to us. But we want to take that first leap because delayed obedience can also be disobedience. So Lord, we want to obey you tonight. Help us to walk with you, to ponder with you, not with everyone else, definitely not through social media, Lord. We want to ponder it with you because you give us grace and you give us truth. And so I pray for all of us tonight, Lord, that we will be the kinds of people that think about what is of good repute and your reputation your integrity, your character is far greater than ours. So it's not about us. It's about thinking about more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen, amen. Can we say thank you to our Lord and Savior for all that he has done? Lord Jesus, thank you.